Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this sermon would be a blessing to you. Amen. Thank you. Uh, you should have a sheet of paper. I don't know where they're at now. Okay. You should have a sheet of paper that is a real simple outline. I call it a skeleton outline. And um, you, you may need to take some notes as, as, uh, as we go tonight. Um, so uh, let's do a little review. If we... And we can. Let's do a little review. Uh, our uh, lesson one was uh, Paul's uh, uh, personal information. Um, who, who knows something personal about Paul? What? He had a sister. Yeah. And, and these uh, are scattered, you know, through, throughout the text, and you kind of pick up this and that as, as you go through. One of the things you pick up is that he's got a sister. Um, I'm sorry? Yeah, well, he's a Pharisee. Yes. Go ahead, Diane. I'm sorry? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We kind of touched on that, uh, at least an illness and, and, a, and a thorn in the side. We didn't do... Does anybody know what a thorn in the side is? Let me see. No? Okay. <laughs> Because I don't either, okay? Uh, I've heard uh, preachers think it was he had a wife at home, but. <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe I heard that wrong, okay? <laughs> I know. They got the pitchforks out. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but, but, he, but he got it. Ill, you might remember what he got ill of. What 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 was, what was it, Kim? Yes, that's right. Yeah, he got uh, ill, and so we picked that up in the text uh, uh, that that he had gotten ill, um, and he, yeah, and uh, he was uh, uh, born in uh, a rather uh, Roman Greek city, um, highly, and and it was a. a a Roman city, so they the, the Romans would push him to uh, speak Latin, and so you'd have that pressure on him. But probably everybody spoke Greek, and so he he would learn Greek, and and they must have had a pretty large population of Jewish people in there because uh, anybody remember what his dad did, what what his dad was like? Anybody? Yes, he was. He was Roman citizen. That's good. I didn't even think of that. Yes. And he was a Pharisee. Did you have it? I'm sorry. Uh, probably he knew how to do that. Yeah. Nobody brought that up about Paul yet, too. Uh, okay. So, go ahead. <laughs> and, but what we call he created more heat than light when he yes <laughs> yes uh, yeah he had to, he had to get his uh, how do you say get his voice we'll just say it that way he had to 
He had to get his voice in, uh, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then we had where he went. And, uh, of course, uh, when he was converted, uh, that changed everything uh, about his direction of life, what he did with his life, where he was going, and, and how he did things. Um, so... Uh, And last week we did his um, testimony. We, in, in chapter 9, you have like the historical record. Acts chapter 9, you have the historical record of his conversion. But there are three places in the text in which Paul tells his personal experience in the conversion of meeting uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, one was before the, the Jewish crowd in Jerusalem, and he, he, he uh, spoke there. Uh, he wanted to tell them about him meeting Jesus and what had changed his life. And so he, he does that very eloquently. Didn't turn out so well, but uh, he did it very eloquently. And then uh, he uh, did that before Agrippa, and we picked up the piece of information. If you uh, remember when we... When, when, when he told the story before Agrippa, there was a, a little sentence in there that wasn't ever in the other ones, and that was uh, Jesus says to him as part of what he was, he said other things there, but Jesus says to him, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. And there we uh, learned an insight as to how God had been dealing with him uh, for quite some time, and he was resisting God's dealing with him. Okay. Now we got lesson five for tonight, and I thought we'd look at Paul's theology. <clears throat> now, you know, I'm, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I don't usually, I, I don't usually teach like this, okay? If you, if you, what we usually do is go through a Bible or, or you know, uh, like I think we did the uh, Old Testament um, Minor prophets, I think we did the minor prophets and, and that kind of thing, okay? So, but here doing a person, it's a little bit uh, different for me. So uh, if you think I need some pointers and corrections, uh, you don't need to give them to me now. You can, <laughs> you can give them to me later while we have a little sip of coffee or so, something like that, okay? Uh, uh, but now tonight we're going to, we're going to look at uh, we're going to try to um, uh, grasp Paul's theology, and that's what we'll work on. And, and uh, to do that, what we need to uh, look at is uh, the book of Romans, uh, because Romans, Paul sets down in Romans, uh, he, he tries to tell them about God, uh, and of course, that's his theology. He, he, he he tries to uh, to tell them, that. and it, it's uh, a great uh, uh, what you call it, a treatise on uh, Paul's theology is the Book of Romans, and so you you can't get around it. Paul hadn't been there, so he wasn't writing them to correct a problem in the church, and that's really important to understand a lot of Paul's writings, as he's very often trying to correct an issue in the church. Uh, but not in Romans. And the reason he's not trying to correct them is he doesn't know them. He just knows that they're there. He's heard of them and that kind of thing. Uh, so uh, 
he's uh, writing out uh, this letter. And uh, anyway, uh, so we'll uh, we'll look tonight at uh, uh, Paul's uh, uh, theology. Thinking about God governs our relationships, and it also governs our way of life. If you begin to think about God, what is it God wants for my life? Um, maybe what is God like? And we'll uh, talk about that as, as we go tonight. Um, but uh, it, it is trying to understand God, creator, and then what would, would he expect of me or uh, his, of his nature? Okay, so let's look at, now let's look at our uh, first slide, and I think that is the lost condition of humanity. Uh, now, this section goes to, up through part of chapter 3, this section uh, dealing on uh, humanity is lost. Uh, and uh, so... Uh, um, it goes, it goes like from, it begins in verse 18, but it goes all the way up in the third chapter. But we wouldn't want to read all that material tonight, so I tried to capture, see if I couldn't read it, and capture at least uh, the, the kind, of, uh, uh, kind of center of it, okay? The wrath of God is being revealed. <clears throat> now, he's going to tell us the wrath of God, what makes God mad? Well, let's just put it that way. Uh, not that I think God gets mad, but uh, the wrath of God, okay? He'll start it here, okay, to get it going, okay? But in chapter 5, it's completely gone uh, because of the gospel, which we'll, we'll get to that tonight. Matter of fact, I think it's the next, the next reading. Uh, so you have the wrath of God created, but you got the solution to it as well. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but Paul makes sure it goes off that way. Because when you get to chapter 5, he says that we have peace with God. That means that wrath that begins here is somehow quenched by the time you get to chapter 5. Okay? All right. <clears throat> The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. What do they do? They suppress the truth. It's like the truth comes up and they push it down out of the way. They suppress it. It's, oh, I'm not ignorant of the truth. I just don't like it. Uh, right? Yeah. People who tell lies. That's what they, they don't like the truth, so they, they try to avert and avoid. And so, okay. And, and that's, what you, that's what you see right off, is, is they suppress the truth. Uh, since what may be known, that's really important right there. The truth of God must what? Yes. You must be able to know it. One of the greatest things about humanity is what we call consciousness. Have you heard that before? 
one of the greatest things of humanity is the idea of consciousness. If you talk to a dog, a dog doesn't talk about its existence and maybe it'll go out of existence, something die someday. They don't know that. They don't have a sense of consciousness like we do, okay? And so the truth of God can be known. Okay? Not everything about God, but it can be, can be uh, known about God is plain to them. Not only can it be known what? It's plain to them. Now, we're talking about humanity here uh, in general. I think there are at least three groups that he covers exactly. And the, the first one is the pagan. That's what, actually what we're reading here, okay? You understand what I mean about a pagan per person who doesn't know about the temple, uh, doesn't uh, necessarily know about God, but they're searching, okay? Trying to, trying to figure things out. So he's talking here that the pagan is lost. Now, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. It's plain to them because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Now, what is made clear in the, in the creation process? His eternal power and what? Divine nature. So not only can you know that God exists, but you can know something of what he's like by looking at the creation. Okay? All right. Uh, his, his eternal... Oh, by the way, the, the word for power there is uh, deutimus or... Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, this is not... There, there are a lot of times, especially in the King James, uh, the word for power is actually the word for what we call authority. It's, it's a, a power that's exerted by the government or, or something of that nature, okay? Uh, this is not that power there. This is the deutimus. This is the actual energy that gets things done or that affects the surrounding. We'll put it that way, uh, uh, where we get the word dynamite from. Yeah, it affects the surroundings when it goes off. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. by nature having been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Now, what does he say about people that are lost? They are without excuse. Why are they without excuse? Yes. Yeah. And it actually came up and they put it back down. And you'll, you'll find that if you, if you, if you think about it. You'll, you'll see that. You'll, you'll be agreeing with Paul. Now, that's, uh, that's starting. We're, we're going to read some more of this section, okay? But that is starting the section to say all humanity is lost without Christ. Here, the pagans, okay? I think he also includes the moralist. That is, the, the person who believes if I do morally right, God will love me. And uh, Paul said, no, no, that doesn't work that way. Um, because even the people who say they do everything right are what? Not doing everything right. <laughs> and they know it. Amen? How many of you know that? I know that. Okay, try to, do, try to be good, try to do things right, and what happens? Things go south on you, 
just have to admit it. Okay. And, oh, and the third group that he deals with is the Jewish. We're not going to read that tonight, okay? But if you read through the section, the section of uh, proving everything, everyone's law, you'll see where he, where he covers the Jew when he, the Jew had the law. The Jewish people had the law, okay? Uh, so they, they had the law, but guess what? They couldn't live up to it. They couldn't live up to it, okay? And so uh, the, all these sections of humanity that you can divide into, uh, they're absolutely lost. And, that, and, and they're not only lost, they're what? Without excuse. Okay, let's go with this again. This will be on the test, by the way. They're not only lost, they're lost without excuse, right? Okay, let's go to the next slide. Uh, uh, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Now, what two th if you know God, what two things are you, should, you, that you should do right off? Glorify him. So thank you, Lord. You've done great wonders. I look out to the mountains, and I'm in awe of you. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about God's majesty and, and his power, okay? And then what else should I do? Isn't that something? Go ahead. You, you'll say something, Chris? Okay. Uh, but, but, but that is just something. Right after the glory of God is being part of our life, right after you get to that, what should you do? Thanks. Give thanks. Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus, and what's the first thing he does when he gets there? He gives thanks. You'll find this time and time again. He gives thanks. God, I thank you that you always hear me. I think it's something of, of that nature, okay? But the first thing he does when he gets there is to give thanks, to pause and give thanks. You ought to do that. Um, I started a few years ago to make a list of things to be thankful for and make a bunch of them. Make sure you make a bunch of them, okay? And then read them off regularly read, uh, so that you, boy, this will change your life. When you start having that sense of gratitude about you, you're getting in the vein of Jesus when you do that, okay? All right. <clears throat> and give thanks. Um, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they were fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being as birds, animals, and reptiles. What's he talking about? No Jew would ever let a chance to make fun of idols go by. They just do it. it when you're reading, I was reading the Old Testament, you know, and uh, they got the Ark of the Lord, and they thought they'd take it into battle with them. That way they wouldn't lose. <laughs> and I think it's, it's the Philistines, I think, captured it. Captured the Ark of the Lord. They didn't know what to do with it once they got it, but they thought they ought to have it. And so they took it home with them, okay? And they set it in their temple with their god, Dagon. It was a statue. that He, he made it. I'm not sure what he looked like, but he must have been big. So they put, put the Ark of the Lord in there. Well, they go out there in the next morning, and, and Dagon has fall, fallen on his face. <laughs> it's 
great story. It's just a great story. And you could just see you, the Jewish laugh. <laughs> you know, they would just laugh. They would laugh. They'd enjoy that, okay? So, oh, do you, do you know what they did? So, you love this. They propped Dagon back up. <laughs> now, I'm just going to suggest this, okay? If you have to be propping your God up, <laughs> something's wrong something's wrong somewhere just you, you you just should do that well they didn't okay they go out there next day he's fall down again his hands had broke off i think his head broke off and anyway <laughs> it's a great story it's a great story but but that's what the people do that that are really lost is they they have a god every yeah the number one thing in your life is your god I don't care what you call it. If you call it, you might even call it a career, but if you get stupid about it, you, you, you think go bad, okay? Number one thing, all right? And that, they, they turn into human being, birds, animals, reptiles, okay? That's, that's what they turn into. Uh, but these are lost. These are people who are lost. Okay, let's go to the next reading. I don't know how far we go with this, okay? <laughs> Therefore, God gave them over in sinful desires of their hearts, Sexual, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchange the truth about God for a lie. There they go again. The truth was possible to them, but they what? They would rather have a lie. Yeah, they would rather have a lie. And worship and served created things rather than the creator who is forever to be praised. Amen. That's why. I never could get it in my head about people who were devil worshipers. It just didn't, <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense. If you've got a devil, you've got to have a God someplace. I would say go worship that. I, just a suggestion, just a suggestion. Okay, and, and now he ends this section with an amen. You'll, I think we do a couple of those tonight. If not, I want to bring it up right now. This is like Paul taking pause here because he's talked about something that bothered him and he feels real reverent uh, toward God because of that. Or maybe he's even sorry that he had to even mention that sexual impurity and uh, degrading themselves. He, he probably didn't like doing that. And, but he has, so he has a little moment of, uh, trying to get centered and get back. And so he'll say, amen. Uh, it's almost like a doxology, if you know what I mean. Okay, that gets you your feet wet about Paul's theology about the loss. Can you sum it up for me? Just give me a little summation of the lost. All people are lost and without excuse. That's all he wants to say. And what do they need? They need help. They need Jesus. Okay? All right? Okay. Let's go to the next section. Uh, and uh, this is where we begin the section on justification. This is the heart. We're going to read it. This is the heart and guts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? You're going to look into the mechanics, even, of it here. And Paul's wanting to make that clear and clear as he can. 
okay? And he's going to use a lot of Old Testament imagery, and we're going to talk about that in terms of the salvation here. But here is the heart and guts of the gospel. Uh, somebody was telling me they were going to do a whole series on the butt passages. I'm, who was it? Was that you? Okay, was, there, there's one right here. We got one here before. Okay, you have all these lost things, which Paul didn't like talking about, all these lost people, and what? but now here's the salvation here. Here's what changes everything, okay? <clears throat> but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. This is vitally important. The righteousness that we're talking about here that we all need does not come in any way by the law. Did you catch that? It is apart from the law. So these are not people who are trying to be right by fulfilling the law anymore. Okay? This is, make sure you know that this righteousness is, you need this righteousness. You got to have it. Okay? But it doesn't come as part of law. So if you're looking into the law, it is not there. Okay? Uh, righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testified. Now, they pointed the way. Okay, they testified to it, but it's not in them to give it. Nor it's just not in the law uh, to give it. This righteousness is given what? Through faith. Faith is the conduit through which righteousness flows to the individual. Just put it that way. I, I, any illustration you use here is going to be weak anyway. You, you get it, yeah, yeah. But it's done by faith, okay? That's the only one. And, and, and what is faith? What's another word for faith? Believing. Believing. It, I wanted, when I was a young Christian, I wanted a book. And I'm talk, talking about the Bible, okay? I'm, I wanted a book of all what I had to do. And... And even later in life, I would love that. But you know what you get? Faith is all you get. I, I hated that at times. I wanted some kind of assurance. You don't get assurance. What do you get? Faith is all you get. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if, 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 if you feel like God's calling you to, to something and especially when, maybe to America, you know, and because and so I, I, I know some of your journey, okay, I don't know everybody, uh, but anyway, uh, so if you feel like God's calling. And so we take you apart and we look at you here. The only thing that proves that you've got that journey ahead of you is your faith. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So how do you get this righteousness from God? Through belief or faith, however you want to say that. That's how you get it. And, the, and the, I got the good news and bad news. 
The good news is you get this by faith. The bad news is that's all you get is faith. <laughs> so when you wake up the next morning, it's, I did, I wrote it in my Bible. Not this one, on that Bible, it got saved, baptized, and I put a date down. I know I did all that stuff. I needed that assurance, okay? But the truth of the matter is, all you get is faith. You're running on faith, okay? Just so anytime you feel like there ought to be something, you're, you're, you're not alone. I've, I've, we all go through that. But what do you get at the end of the day? Faith is all you get. That's all you're going to have to rely on is your faith, okay? Uh, and, and Paul will say later, he don't, you don't even drum that up. God gives you that, and then you exercise it. I don't know. That's another thing, yeah. Uh, this righteousness is given through faith in what? In Jesus Christ to all who believe. You get this righteousness. Everyone who believes gets this righteousness. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's in your Roman road. If you, I mean, you did the Roman road before. I mean, I'm on Roman road. Okay, this is, who, who's lost? All are, all are lost, okay? Uh, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. You are, what? Justified freely in the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. It, 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 just a few words put together, and look at him. Look what, he, look what he's doing for us. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. Talking about Jesus, yeah, amen, amen. Justified freely. So you get this righteousness freely. You get justified freely, and it comes by grace through a redemption because you need to be redeemed, and it's who? Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, let's do some big words now, okay? We got verse 25 coming up. So we got some big words coming up here, okay? Now, what did God do? He presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. I don't like this word atonement in this passage here. Uh, if you have King James and you worked on this in the King James, you have propitiation in the King James. I, I'm, you know, it's a big, long word, and it only appears three times in the, in the Bible. Uh, this is one, obviously. And uh, it, John uses it twice in 1 John. He's got it, yeah, you got it twice. It's a little bit different form. Every time it shows up, it's a little bit different form. Um, but uh, it, 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 obviously, it's hard to translate. The reason I don't like atonement here is because atonement, to me, speaks of a year covering of sin. Jesus doesn't cover sin. Okay, you get that. Yeah, he washes it completely away. That's why I kind of resist that word atonement here. But, but, but it's hard to talk about. It's hard to put down in a, in a word here. I think Paul's thinking about the mercy seat here because it's more like a place of redemption or the place of atonement is at the mercy seat that is where the blood is applied. Uh, but but the, that is... Um, I, you know, that, that's a judgment call there. But 
uh, through the shedding of his blood, uh, you, you, there's got to be the shedding of blood. Why? Does everybody know why you have, have to have shedding of blood here? Yes. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. Uh, that's what happens in the sacrifice. Yes. The, the, the two things that you get when you take the Lord's Supper, if you'll let the blood of Jesus Christ speak to you, you get two things there. You get the forgiveness, but you also get the life of Christ because the life is in the blood. I think I was hearing you right, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah, the life is in the blood. And so you, and, and uh, it's, uh, it's applied here on the mercy seat, right? Uh, <clears throat> to be, did this to, and he did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Now, this is a subtle argument, but I want you to get this argument, okay? He's going to say two things about God in, in this salvation process, okay? And I want you to get this, all right? Because of his forbearance, uh, had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did not demonstrate his righteousness at that present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, what, what happens in the, in the gospel and in the action of Jesus Christ here and in the giving of his son in this, in this place here, God not is the justifier. You get that easily, don't you? He's the justifier. That is, you get the salvation, uh, okay, but Paul also says he is just to do it. And why is he just? It's what Daryl said a minute ago, a life for a life. Okay? The, 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 the scale is balanced. Yeah, okay, good. The scale is balanced by the giving of Jesus. So God is just in doing it because Jesus gave his life for you. So he lets you go, and he's just to do that because he has uh, the, the, the payment. And he is also the one who did it because what? He was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Or once you get those two things, God is both just and justifier in the gospel. This is a great technical workout that Paul has done for us in the idea of theology. And, he, and here he works it out. Is, is that the end of that justification? That, that's the end of Okay. Uh, so... That we're good. We're we're do, we're doing good here. Uh, let me make sure I cover. Yes. Um, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um, th this is a good way to think about it. Okay. Uh, think about righteousness coming to you in a parcel. Okay, it's an object. You either have it or you don't have it. Okay, just think about it that way. It comes to you in a parcel, and uh, and you have and uh, if if you because later, especially in the fourth chapter, which we're not going to do now, we're not going to do that. Okay, in the fourth chapter, he uses the the word account or reckon. I think account. 
reckon, impugn? Yeah, imputed. Yeah. Those are all the same, all the tr translation of the same word. And it's an accounting word for the books. That's what it is. And so when he looks at the books, what you need under your column there in your, you know, your debits and lost, no, uh, debits and, and credits, debits and credit. You want in your credit there, you want righteousness of God. Okay. And that's what this means here. You get it. Okay. And he'll, he'll win that later and that kind of thing. Okay. Let's go to uh, the problem of Israel. Uh, I, I like the Bible. Okay. And I, I commit myself years and years ago to try do my best to understand it. Okay. Uh, this is a tricky one here. Okay. <laughs> here. If, if you're writing the book of Romans and for some reason you lose chapter 9, 10, and 11, you just lose them. You're still good. If you're not Jewish. <laughs> okay. But if you're Jewish, you need 9, 10, and 11. Okay. And, and if, if you have a sharp eye, you should have it anyway, okay, for, for a couple of reasons, okay. What he's dealing with in 9, 10, and 11 is strictly the question of the Jew. And here's the question, if you haven't got it yet. We just said how people are going to be saved, and we call that the church. So now you have the saved people are in the church. What about Israel. See, what are you going to do with Israel? What are you going to do about Israel? Here you got Israel, okay? And that's what 9, 10, and 11 for. Okay, now we're not going to read a lot of it, okay, but we're going to read enough of it to know that it's there and uh, maybe to whet, whet your appetite uh, to, to read some more. Now, Paul's going to talk about the Jewish people, okay, and what about them? Okay, <clears throat> I speak the truth in Christ and am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. So he's prefacing this with he's going to speak to you the truth that he feels to be true. Okay, and he's not going to lie to you. He's going to, he's going to tell you the truth. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. Now, do you understand that statement? He's saying, I would go to hell if I could for my people. That's how much he loves them. I would be damned to hell for the sake of my people. I would do that willingly if my people could be saved. And you'll see this in his life. Now, that's not part of our discussion tonight, but you'll see this in his life. That's something he never got over, his love for his people, the Jewish people. And here he is what? The apostle to the Gentiles. 
but he never, ever stopped loving them that much. Yeah, he was just insanely in love with them and uh, would do anything for them. Uh, but for I could wish myself, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself was cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. Now, just clearly, you, see, you understand this talking, going back talking about his own race, the people of Israel. There you want to talk about Israel. What about Israel? Okay, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Messiah, who is God over all forever. Praise the Lord. There's one, again, one of them doxologies that he does because he mentioned the importance of Jesus here. It caused reverence in his heart and in his spirit. And so, and so there's a little doxology, the doxology here. But you see what he's dealing with? He's talking about the Jews and Gentiles, the church, Israel. That, okay, he wants to talk about that. Okay, let's go to the next slide. <clears throat> it is not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descendants from Israel are Israel. Now, he'll talk about this later. I, not, I don't know, it's already talked about. But anyway, it, it's in there, okay? And wh what he's saying here is not everyone who is descended from the DNA of, of, of Abraham is Abraham's children. Now let that sink in if you don't get that right off. Let that sink in. And what he argues from there is, it's not the DNA, it's the promise. That's what he'll, that's what he'll argue. Now we'll, we, we, if if we do this by popular and you want to come back and, and look at that in the text, we'll look at how he works that out, okay? But can you see that's what he's suggesting here? That he understands that not everyone who is a de descendant of Jacob, I, I think, let me be specific here. We'll, we'll call Israel Jacob, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, wrestled with God. and Got the name Israel. Not everybody who's descended from there is Israel. <clears throat> I'm suggesting now he's going to redefine Israel. Okay, we're not going to do that tonight, but I think that's what he's doing. Okay, he's going to redefine what it means to be Israel. Okay, <clears throat> let me see where we go. I think that are all, oh, yeah, that the offspring will be reckoned or accounted or appointed. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this is how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. We all remember that uh, promise. Uh, okay. Now, that was the, that was the son that would uh, bear the promise into the future. And who was the other one? Ishmael would not. No, no, I'll work on that one. I, I don't know. I, I haven't thought about that, okay? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Okay, let's go to the next. Uh, not only that, but Rebecca's uh, children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose in election might stand. Uh-oh, he used a new word here. <laughs> Kathy picked it up down here. It's a scary one. Now we got to deal with election. Oh. Let me see, where are we here? 12. Not by works, but by him who calls shall she was told. The older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob, I love Esau, I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, and, and, and this I know is, is uh, like a um, per, uh, um, uh, poem of some sort. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now, he's bringing up something here that we have not really talked about, and that is the prerogative of God to save who he wants. He, Paul will not let that go, ever. And it's hard for us to think about it, okay? As a matter of fact, I've never put all that together, okay? but I just know that it's there. And that's what he's saying here, okay? Let's go to the next one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to all... Oh, no, wait a minute. Is that all we got on that section? Okay, all right. Um, that'll give you some taste of him dealing with Israel. Now, finally, he says in that section, again, you have to follow his language, all Israel will be saved. Just want you to know it's there. And let not your heart be troubled, it's there, okay? All right. <clears throat> that, that gives us a little taste of, of uh, Paul dealing with the problem of uh, Jews, uh, the Hebrew people who, by and large, are not converted to Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, how do Christians act? Okay, now we go to, uh, to chapter 12. Now, we've had 11 chapters already in Romans. And God has not asked you to do anything except believe. Verse 5, which we mentioned a while ago, you have peace with God. Chapter 8 no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you haven't been asked to do one thing except believe. That's all. And you can't consider that works. Amen? No, you can't consider that works. Now he's going to ask you to do something. Okay? All right. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in a view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. What is he asking you to do?
to give yourself when your body that you, you might uh, do like uh, the old I think it's Irish song when you see a body walking through the rye you know in other words if you see a person yeah that, that's your what do you ask what's he asking you to do to present your body a living sacrifice to God and the Old Testament is full of dead sacrifices. But now what kind of sacrifice does he want? I love preaching on that text in uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 38 where you got all the, all, all, yeah, dry bones, dry bones, all the dry bones laying around. And, and uh, he says, prophesy to them bones. <laughs> and... And there's some rattling in there. Then all of a sudden, they have sinew on them, tendons and ligaments and muscle. And then they, they have skin on them. And he says, now tell them bones to live. I like telling people, live. Make sure you live person was in the casket and they said they, they look well don't they look good <laughs> I, I don't want to get there looking good I want to get there all used up slide in there sideways and hit that sucker I ain't I want to live and that's what Paul says here live And I tell you, I, it was popular when I was young. You talk about all that you give up to follow Jesus. Let's give up. Oh, yes, you can't believe what I give up to follow Jesus. I always thought I'd, I'd be sitting out there like you, and I'd say, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what she's talking about. I only got blessing after blessing after blessing. I haven't missed a thing because I believed in Jesus. Matter of fact, I got a whole world of life yeah. by trusting in Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. You come, you live. Really live. Guy went in and heard a preacher preaching. He was a satirist, I think, anyway. And he, he walked out of there and he told him, he said, I, I, I couldn't tell that that man had ever lived a day in his life. True. It's true for some people. And some preachers, they don't know, they have the foggiest idea of what it means to be alive. And what does Paul tell you? He wants you to live. Tell him, people, tell yourself, live. That gummit, live. Yeah. Don't die. Live. Well, he wants you to be what? A living sacrifice. That's what he wants out of you. Okay? And how do you do that? Now, this is your true and proper worship. I, I remember doing this at that time. The pastor had given an invitation, and I officially, but just between me and the pastor, whoever the pastor was, I went up there, shook his hand, and told him, I present my body a living sacrifice today. That's what I'm doing today. Yeah.
Amen. Yeah, and it's not. Yeah, this is what, what is what is your what the first act of worship that you're asked to do in the Book of Romans is what? Present your body a living sacrifice. That's the first thing you're asked to do in the Book of Romans. And we just had eleven chapters, and the only thing you're asked to do is to believe. And here you're asked to present your body. A living sacrifice. Okay? <clears throat> Not yet, but you're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's part of life. And you should have people to ask you, you're a Christian for some time, wonder, how is it you can be so happy and enjoyable and loving? How do you do that? Well, my days are just filled with brown. <laughs> How do you do that? Well, because you gave your life to Christ. You presented yourself, and you're a living sacrifice. You ready? Let's... And it's your proper worship. Proper. It's, it, it's real worship. Matter of fact, you're not going to get any of these blessings that we've been that we talk about until you do this. I'll, I'll tell you why in just a minute. Okay, we want to get ahead of ourselves. How long did we did we study this, Marchetti? I'm this these two verses here. We had these for our group had these for yeah. We had a whole book of this stuff. We just kept doing it. I liked it. I just kept doing it. We we and we still ain't over it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, this is your worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay? Uh, you cannot let culture, uh, how you were raised, matter of fact, you probably have to change a lot of that anyway. You have to break a lot of those, uh, what we call those uh, family cycles or uh, generational cycles, yeah, uh, whatever that uh, term is. You have to change a lot of that. You have to change a lot, a lot of that, okay? <clears throat> but don't be conformed to this world. You old, oldest world, anything. That's why Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Just walk off and leave it sometimes because you can't change it sometimes, okay? Just walk. And if you want to do any change, change yourself, okay? That's what our next thing is. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And how do you be transformed? Renewing your mind. Disciplining the way you think. Guy got up one morning and said, talking to a group, and he says to the group, I can... You'll become what you think about most. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, we got to go hurry. We got to You'll become what you think about most. It's scary, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a blessing, isn't it? Yes. Okay. You will become what you think about. Let me see. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
renew your mind all the time. Discipline yourself. What's good to think about? What, what do you need to, to do with your life? Think about those good things, okay? Not bad things. Think about the good things, okay? You'll get enough bad in life. Don't worry. We'll get it. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And what's God's will? Not treachery, uh, not drudgery, not a drudgery, not, what is it? It's good. <laughs> Imagine that. And what is it? Pleasing. Oh, boy. <laughs> Imagine that. It's perfect. God's call on your life is exactly what you need to become the person that you can be. Will James was born under a wagon out west, and his mom died, and his dad couldn't keep him. He was just a ranch hand, so he sent him to his uncle, who was a trapper, up toward Canada. And he said this trapper would load him up every day as they made the trek getting to the cabin where they would trap and stay all winter. This guy would load him up all day. But after he thought about it, you know what he said? That he had just the right amount of load on him to keep him warm on his walk. His burden was what? Perfect for him. And when you go through these things, when you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I think that's King James. Just reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You'll discover how wonderful God's will is for you. And you can't discover it any other way. You learn that on the journey. Okay? We will uh, we'll, we'll, uh, quick, quit with that. We're over just uh, two minutes. We're, we did good. Are we all good for this? Okay. Now, that gives you a little touch of theology. After this, he gets real practical uh, in there, and, and he'll tell you some things that are very, very practical, family relationships, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, but we we just hit uh, the high spots uh, today, okay? And uh, we'll we'll go on that. All right, let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your wonderful word toward us. Lord, help us to appreciate the truth as it comes to us, regardless where it comes from, and help us not to be caught ever suppressing the truth. Let us be. But anyway, let us have that kind of attitude toward us that we'll know and approve what your goodwill is for us. We thank you for Paul and all the work that he did. Lord, uh, let us grasp some of, it, some of it as we go along. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.